Good evening, Purple Family. Welcome to another episode of Shades of Purple, a Prince podcast. I am your host, Ronica Crutchfield. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Prince's early life and his debut album for you, which came out on April 7th, 1978. So just a few months shy of Prince's 20th birthday. Um, We're also going to be discussing the 27 instruments that he allegedly played on his debut album for you. So let's get right into it. Prince Rogers Nelson was born on June 7, 1958 at 6.17 p.m. at Mount Sinai Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. His parents, John Lewis Nelson and Maddie Della Shaw, were uh, both from Louisiana. Now, John Nelson, his father, was actually born in Louisiana And his mother, Maddie, was actually born in Minneapolis, her and her twin sister. However, her parents were also from Louisiana. So that means that Prince has uh, Louisiana roots. So John Lewis, um, he was, like I said, he was born in Louisiana and he moved to Minneapolis in 1948 to start his career as a musician. And uh, he got married to uh, his first wife named Vivian And they had four kids, John R. Nelson, Lorna, Noreen, and Sharon. He formed his own jazz band called the Prince Rogers Trio. And that's where uh, Prince got his name from. His uh, father, John, uh, named Prince after his jazz band. So I thought that was pretty neat. John met Maddie, Prince's mother, in 1956. And she was a singer with the group for a little while uh, but for not for very long, um, like I said, her and her twin sister, Edna May, uh, were born in Minneapolis and their parents were from Louisiana and they moved up there sometime, I believe in the, um, early fifties, more than likely. Um, John worked, um, by day at the Honeywell plant. And many of you probably recognize Honeywell because they do appliances like thermostats, um, I think stoves at one point. I know I've seen mostly Honeywell. I've seen like thermostats, but I don't know if Honeywell is even still around. Uh, but anyway, John uh, worked there in the, uh, during the daytime. And at night he would um, go play with his jazz band. And sometimes they would play in, you know, clubs and other times, you know, they would also play in like strip, cl- strip clubs and things like that. Um, so uh, Prince got introduced very early on in his um, in his growing up to music, uh, with both of his parents being musicians. So on August 31st, 1957, John and Maddie got married. Now, I said that John Lewis had four children with his first wife and Maddie also had a son. His name was Alfred. So altogether, they had five children. OK, and this is before. Prince was born. Okay. So they were more, they were married, excuse me. They were married August 31st, 1957. And then of course, uh, Prince was born June 7th of the following year. And then two years after that, Prince's, uh, sister, uh, I think it's, I can't ever remember if it's pronounced, pronounced Tika or Tika. I think it's Tika. Tika was born in, uh, 1960. So Tika is only, uh, is the only like full-blooded, uh, sibling that Prince has all the rest of his siblings as we know are half siblings um so going on 
Prince uh, started playing the piano at the age of six, and he wrote his very first song, Funk Machine, when he was seven years old on the piano. He would also play uh, the tune from the, the Man from Uncle, which was, I guess, um, I think it was a spy show. And then he would also uh, play the theme of Batman, which, of course, that's like uh, coming full circle because, of course, we know he would uh, become involved with the uh, Batman movie later on in his career uh, when he became an adult. So he would play the theme from Batman on the uh, piano. That was one of the first things he learned. And he talked about this when he uh, did his uh, very last tour, the piano microform, the piano and microform form phone <laughs> Lord phone tour. He talked about, um, you know, all the things that he would play on the piano. So the piano was the very first instrument that he played. Uh, Prince's parents would uh, divorce in 1968 when he was just 10 years old. And his mother remarried a man named Hayward Baker. And she had another son with him named Omar. Prince also had yet another half sibling on his dad's side, uh, a brother named Dwayne Nelson. Now, when I was doing research on this, I wasn't exactly sure um exactly what was what was going on with Dwayne because and the reason why I say that is because Dwayne was born in 1958 the same year as Prince but on the internet his mother is listed as Vivian Nelson which was John Nelson's first wife so either John cheated on Maddie and had another child with his ex-wife or Vivian got remarried and or she or or maybe she didn't get remarried. She maybe had maybe had Dwayne with a another gentleman and John Lewis has decided that he would claim Dwayne. So there's a there's some kind of uh, murkiness with Dwayne's um, paternity. But which is interesting, though, because um, Prince always treated Dwayne as if, you know, that was his, you know, his brother, Dwayne would go on to work for Prince as his bodyguard uh, for many, many years before he passed just a few years before Prince. Uh, so they were very close. They also played on the basketball team together in uh, high school, I believe, and in junior high. They played on the basketball team together. So they were pretty close. And actually, Dwayne was the brother <laughs> that uh, Prince was talking about in the song Lady Cab Driver where he's, you know, giving it to the lady cab driver. And he said, this is for why I can't be like my brother, handsome and tall. So he was actually talking about Dwayne. <laughs> so that's an interesting fact there for you. So, okay, so going back to uh, Prince's early life. So um, he did not get along very well with his stepfather, Hayward Baker. So at some point he moved back in with his father. Uh, but that didn't last too long because he got kicked out, supposedly, because there was a um, girl in his room and the way that Morris Day tells it, uh, he was actually there when this supposedly happened. Um, so Morris as um, and I, I'm getting this information from uh, once upon a time in Minneapolis, which is a YouTube series. I put the first episode of that on the Facebook page. So this is where I'm getting the story from. So Morris Day says, and this is now Morris Day met Prince, uh, in uh, middle school, okay? I can't remember the name of the middle school they went to. Um, so 
him and Prince uh, would bring girls back to um, Prince's dad's house. And he even said that Prince would take the mattress off the bed upstairs so that a way you wouldn't hear any like squeaking or anything or the headboard or anything like that. And so apparently uh, on an occasion such as this, um, John came home early. I guess he, you know, maybe was taking a break from work. I don't know what the case was. Morrison really uh, explained that part. Uh, but he said that um, uh, he said that John looked at um, Prince and said, put your key on the, uh, I guess, like the little dresser or whatever. And so Prince pretty much knew that um, he was kicked out because he had girls over and John had probably told him, like, look, don't have anybody in my house while I'm gone. And uh, Prince disobeyed that. And so Prince had to go. And um, so that happened at the age of 12. His father kicked him out for having a girl in his room. And so at some point after that, uh, he stayed with his aunt for a little while, his uh, father's sister. Uh, And so he was just kind of going from pillar to post, you know, just kind of staying where he could until he finally ended up in his best friend's house, Andre Anderson, also known as Andre Simone. Um, He ended up staying with them. He um, Bernadette Anderson, which was Andre's mother, kind of took Prince in and uh, he was like another, you know, kid living there. She already had five or six kids already. So that was kind of very, very generous of her to, I think, you know, to allow Prince to stay there. Um, so while they were staying together, uh, of course, Andre was also musically inclined. He played the bass and I think he also played a little keyboard as well. And so by this time, now we're up to high school. So Prince is now playing guitar. He's playing piano. He's also playing keyboard and um, and bass as well. So I don't know if he's playing drums yet, but I, I believe so. I think that he's kind of playing a little bit of everything at this point. And also at this point, they have formed a band. Uh, and um, they eventually settled on the name Grand Central. But before that, it was a couple of names. It was Phoenix. It was Soul Explosion. And I think even at one point, because um, before Morris Day came on as their drummer, they had uh, Jazz uh, Charles Smith, who was uh, Prince's cousin. And he had named the group Chaz Cousin and Friend. So, so uh, you know, he said, you know, Chaz was him and then Cousin was Prince and then Friend was uh, uh, Andre. And Andre said he definitely did not like that name and you know, and he said that Chaz had a had it bad of changing the name of the band and not telling them and they would go to compete. And this one time uh, they announced the, the winner because they would have these uh, battle of the bands competitions that they would go to. They would, you know, have, you know, little concerts, you know, sometimes at the schools or at the YMCA, things like that. There was another uh, a band called Fly Time that. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were a part of. And of course, we know later on, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Morris, they would become uh, members of the time. Uh, But before that time, they were also in kind of a rival band with Prince and his band. And um, so Andre tells this story where, you know, they announce uh, the name, the the winner of the, 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 I guess the competition. I can't talk. 
the competition. And they're like, okay, and the winner is Soul Explosion. And so they're like thinking, oh my God, we lost. And then Chaz was like, no, I changed the name to Soul Explosion. We won. <laughs> you know, so it would be just, so it was a little, it was, uh, the band was um, a little disorganized to, to say the least. And that was even so after uh, Morris Day. So Chaz, he had some uh, commitments with uh, football. He played football and he wasn't really able to make the rehearsals. So they decided to kind of let Chaz go do his thing and, you know, go be this football star. And they end up getting Morris on as the drummer. And um, Linda, who was Andre Simone's sister, was the keyboard player. So that, that was pretty much uh, the band. And also um, they had uh, Terrence, I believe Terrence Jackson, uh, he did uh, percussion and congas and stuff like that. So they had a really nice together, put together band. And they started writing their own songs. And uh, they finally ended up uh, finally doing some recording, some demos, going to some local uh, recording studios. Uh, they were able to do that because of a guy named Pepe Willie, who was um, a um, husband of Princess cousin named Chantel. I can't remember what her last name was. Um, but, um, so he kind of, he, he, uh, kind of took the band under his wing and even allowed them to rehearse in his basement because at one point the band got their uh, equipment stolen. And so Pepe allowed the band to, uh, play in, you know, in his basement because they were also playing in uh, the basement of Andre Simone's house. Uh, but you know, they just kind of, you know, wanted to move around because that was also Prince's bedroom. Um, and the reason why it was his bedroom is because at one point he was staying upstairs with Andre in his room, but apparently they had, um, different styles of living. Um, Prince was a little bit more neater than Andre, according to Andre. And so, you know, finally they just could not, you know, live in the same bedroom anymore. So, Prince decided to move into the basement and that is where they also would rehearse the band. But anyway, after they stopped doing that, they, you know, they got with Pepe Willie and they started rehearsing there. So, okay. So now we're up to the band going into the studio, cutting demos. One of the studios they went to was a studio called, uh, moon sound studios, which was owned by a guy named Chris moon. Now, Chris moon, what is kind of the, uh, big, you know, he was one of these guys where he was, you know, liked to write lyrics, but he wasn't, he had a studio, but he, he really, you know, he didn't, he didn't really know how to go about, um, you know, getting some music to the lyrics. Like he, he knew how to do, of course it was a studio, so he knew how to work the equipment, but he was needing kind of a partner. And so he reached out to Prince and said, hey, you know, I've got some lyrics. I want to try to uh, put them to some music. Maybe you and us could meet, maybe me and you could collaborate. And uh, at first Prince seemed like he was like, huh? You know, according to Chris Moon. But after, uh, you know, I guess he thought about it for a few seconds and he was like, sure. So Chris Moon uh, would allow Prince, he gave Prince the keys to the studio and he told Prince he could come in after school because at this time, of course, Prince was still in school. Um, he allowed Prince to come in and, you know, work on some music um, and also write songs together. So they end up putting together uh, a rough demo of some songs. And at this point, 
this is, I think, right after Prince graduated from high school in June of 1976. So at this point, you know, he is in the studio all the time recording, writing, and um, just kind of doing his own thing. And he really doesn't have an interest in the group anymore. And by this point, they had went from Grand Central to Grand Central Corporation to now their Champagne. And so they went through all these changes. At one point, uh, Morris Day's mother was their manager and was trying to get them signed on with Isaac Hayes, but that somehow fell through. And so Prince, I think, was just getting frustrated because he really wanted to kind of branch out. And at first he thought he wanted to do the group thing, the band thing, but then I guess he was just really getting anxious and just wanted to get out and do his own thing. And so he, um, when he was uh, doing all of this writing and recording with uh, Chris Moon, he actually approached Chris Moon at one point and asked, well, would you be my manager? And Chris turned him down because he said, well, no, I really, you know, don't do that kind of thing, but I know someone who does. And so he, um, he referred him to Owen Husney, which would be Prince's first manager. But before he could do that, Prince actually went to New York on his own to actually kind of sell, you know, well, not really sell, but kind of, you know, well, yeah, sell his demo. You know, he was trying to get a record deal, basically, on his own. Uh, he stayed with his sister Sharon at the time, and he was just going to, you know, different uh, labels, I assume, and was, uh, and I think he made a little headway. Uh, he talked about it a little bit in his uh, memoir, uh, The Beautiful Ones how he got into contact with some people that were trying to, you know, give him money for, you know, his demo. And he said, you know, he didn't want the money. He really wanted a deal. And so any, nothing came of it. And um, uh, Owen ended up calling him uh, while he was in New York and told him that he would represent him and that he could come back to uh, Minneapolis and they could, you know, uh, start working on uh, some things together. So, so Prince came back to back home to Minneapolis. He met Owen and they started kind of polishing those demos that um, he had uh, took to New York. And then they decided to fly out to uh, California to try to get him a record deal. So now we are up to 1977. So I'm just reading off of some notes that I made. So the spring of 1977, actually. So they ended up meeting with uh, Warner Brothers, of course, which eventually that's who they went with. CBS, A&M, RSO, and ABC Dunghill. Okay, so they tried to. Uh, so what? <laughs> it was funny. What Owen did basically was he he pretty much lied, you know, and said that you know, well, CBS has already offered us this, so we're trying to see if you can match that or do better, or. Uh, or, uh, you know, ABC is uh, giving us this. And so we're trying to. So basically, he tried, he played the record labels off of each other, basically. And so at some point, I think uh, a few of the more than a few of them were really interested in Prince. But eventually they decided to go with Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers was the only one that um, was willing to let Prince produce himself with at first supervision. None of the other labels were willing to do that because he was so young. Now, he was only about 17, 18 years old at this point. And so they're looking at this young kid like, no. But but for Prince's credit, you know, he really, really stood his ground on that because they were wanting to get um, the gentleman from Earth, Wind and Fire to produce his first album. And he was like, no, I don't want to sound like them. So that's a no. 
And then they tried to approach him with uh, someone else. But I do remember the gentleman from Earth, Earth, Wind & Fire. I can't remember his name. Um, But Prince was like, no, no, no. I'm producing my first album. Period. Point blank. And so they even decided to, uh, before they started uh, recording, to just kind of like test him to see if he really, you know, was playing each instrument and was actually, you know, engineering and producing and, you know, doing all of the studio work himself. And so supposedly some of the executives dressed up like janitors and <laughs> just kind of, you know, acted like they were cleaning stuff, but they were actually, you know, paying attention to what Prince was doing. And so by the time uh, he put together uh, a song that would be a, a single on For You, uh, just as long as we're together. So he actually was putting that song together from scratch. You know, he started with the bass and he would start with, um, you know, the bass and drums and just go from there. And they saw him do all of that in the studio and they were just like, wow, okay, okay, I think he's he's got it, you know. So they kind of let him go after that, even though they did go ahead and give him a um, executive producer, which he was more so a babysitter, more so than anything else. And that was even his words. Uh, Tommy Varkari was his name. And he even said that, you know, Prince treated him like shit and he really didn't feel like. Now, he said the only time that Prince would actually, you know, ask for something if it was something that he didn't know about. But other than that, he said Prince would just do his own thing and. You know, if he had a question, he would ask it or he would just kind of just, you know, soak up, you know, all of this knowledge, you know, about how it is to be in a studio and, you know, the different mechanisms. But he had already got kind of an education on that when he was working with Chris Moon. So by this time, he was uh, very comfortable in a studio and kind of knew what he was doing. Uh, So he started recording for you. And so supposedly he did... uh, 27 played not did play 27 instruments on this record so i'm going to um name all of the instruments that were listed on the um for you like the uh, dedication page and all that where you see all the credits of you know who did what so all right so here we go 27 instruments all vocals, which vocals are instruments. I'll give them that. Electric guitar, acoustic guitar, bass guitar, bass synth, singing bass, fuzz bass, electric piano, acoustic piano, mini moog, poly moog, arp string ensemble, arp pro solace, Oberheim, four voice, clarinet, drums, syndromes, water, water drums, slapsticks, bongos, congas, finger cymbals, wind chimes, orchestra bells, wood block, brush trap, tree bell. And then they put on here hand claps and finger snaps. So I'm not going to give him the hand slaps and finger snaps because I mean, yes, your your fingers and your hands are instruments, but ah, nah, I'm not going to, I wouldn't count that as an instrument per se. So now we're on 25. Uh, And don't think that I'm just trying to take these instruments away because I'm trying to be, of course, y'all know I love Prince, but we really need to kind of understand exactly the mechanisms behind all these instruments. And I am by no means an instrument expert. Okay. So you can please tell me if you hear this and you think I'm wrong, (laughs) please correct me. But let's go back up to the electric acoustic and bass guitar. Now, I will count those as separate instruments only because 
you do have to play them kind of differently, you know. Um, so I, I'll give him that. I mean, yes, you, you're strumming, but with an electric guitar, the strumming is a little different than how you would do an acoustic guitar. And yeah, I know I'm not a guitar, you know, player, but I could even tell why, you know, just watching him play and watching other guitarists play. Uh, the strumming is similar, but it's, it's, you know, not really quite the same. And of course, with the bass guitar, it's definitely not the same. Um, you know, uh, a good friend of his, uh, Larry, um, what is his last name? Uh, you know, the guy from um, Sly and the Family Stone, Larry, Larry Graham, you know, one of the probably the, one of the best bass players of all time, supposedly, I don't know if this is true, but supposedly invented the slap bass where you just, you know, kind of just like slap the uh, the body of the, the bass guitar. So you, you're doing stuff like that with the bass guitar. Um, and so the bass synth, I think that is like a keyboard, I believe, um, singing bass. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm thinking it may be some type of keyboard, maybe. Um, fuzz bass, electric piano, acoustic piano. Uh, now, those two pianos, um, I don't know if they're like the guitar and you play them differently. Uh, I wouldn't think so. But once again, like I said, I'm not an expert. So I'm, I'm going to say that those two pianos can probably be say, played similarly so I'm just going to say that's one instrument. Uh, so so where are we at now? So we've got so electric guitar, so vocals, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, bass guitar, that's four. Bass synth, singing bass, that's, that's six. Fuzz bass, that's seven. Electric piano, acoustic piano, I'm just going to say those are one instrument. So that's seven. Okay, the mini Mog and Moog, Moog. And the polymook are synthesizers. And so um, I'm going to count. I mean, you probably do have to play them a little differently, but probably not by too much. Uh, so I'm going to just say that's just one instrument. The ARP string ensemble and the ARP pro solist. I actually looked these up. Okay, so the ARP string ensemble is kind of like if you want to do uh violin sounds or trumpet or horn sounds which he did use a lot and you do actually have to kind of program that and so because of that i'm going to count that as a instrument by itself uh and then the art post pro solace is kind of the same thing except you can use your voice you have like voice expression control where you can do growls and pitches and bends and uh, vibrato and things like that on it and so you don't necessarily have to program that but it does you know come with that and so the Oberheim I know that's like a, a uh, organ uh, clarinet drums syn drums water drums now the drums now I know the water drums and the syn drums and the you know especially the water drums I know you definitely have to play those a little differently than you do the sim drums and the regular drums so I'm going to say that the water drums are an instrument by themselves. Slapsticks and bongos and congas, um, those are definitely all uh, instruments to themselves. Finger cymbals as well, wind chimes, orchestra bells, any of those bells, I mean, they're chimes and bells, you know. So it's not a lot of skill, but at the same time, it is because if you're trying to incorporate it into a song, you have to, you know, know how it's going to sound and, you know, you know what I'm saying? So you have to have a little skill 
because those are just kind of just like, you know, like bell, like you have to be able to make a bell sound like it's meant to be there in the song. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a producer. You know, I don't, you know what I'm saying? But you get what I mean. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give him all of these instruments, except for the two, um, mini mug and the poly mug. I'm going to count that as one. So what is that? We said 25 earlier. So 26 and I took away the hand claps and figure snaps. So what is that? I can't count 25. So I'm going to say the bus trap and tree bell. That's also like another bell. Uh, but like I said, with the bells, like I said, it may seem like they're just bells, but you really have to be, you know, you have to know what you're doing to put those bells into a song. You know, you don't have to be necessarily skilled to play them. But if you're going to put them in a song, you have to kind of understand their acoustic value and understand how they're supposed to be put into a song. And so I I guess I'm, you know, putting all of that. So out of the 27 instruments, it's looking like if you take away the hand claps and finger snaps, um, 25. And then so 24, we're going to say 24 because... I'm going to count the two, um, mini Moog and poly Moog. I am going to count that as one instrument, one instrument. So I'm going to say he did 24. So how does that sound? What do you guys think? Um, because, and the reason why I'm, you know, giving him a lot of leeway, like I said, once again, is because a lot of these instruments are, you know, are played differently, especially like, like I said, the water drums are going to, you know, play a little bit differently than the regular drums, you know. And uh, the bass synth is going to be played a little bit differently than the singing bass, you know. So, I mean, there's just, and like with the art string ensemble and the art pro solos, you actually have to program those. So it's much more involved than just playing. You actually have to be able to program, just like later on when he would use the LM1, LM1 drum machine. He would have to program that you know, to get the type of beats and stuff that he wanted from it. And the, uh, the creator of the, that particular drum machine even said that he was, uh, surprised about how the, the beats and sounds that Prince was able to get out of that particular instrument. Uh, he had programmed it in such a way that even the creator, you know, (laughs) didn't understand how he was able to do it. So that's how much of a genius Prince was with, when it came to instrument playing, so um, there you have it. Uh, I think I'm going to end it there because I'm trying to, you know, keep it right at 30 minutes because I'm not trying to just keep, you know, um, going on and on. But I'm going to say that he did 24 instruments. So how about that? Um, so before we end it, though, we'll talk about, OK, I'm going to briefly talk about how for you did on the chart. So it came out, like I said, on April 7, 1978. Um it peaked at number 165 on the pop charts and it did a little bit better on the uh, soul charts as it was called at the time. It peaked at number 21 and then we didn't see it again anywhere on the charts until May 14, 2016, uh, just a little um, couple of weeks after Prince passed away. It came back onto the charts, but it only peaked at 138. So it didn't do as well as Prince had hoped. But I still believe that it was a solid, solid album. It did get uh, two singles, Soft and Wet, and Just As Long As We're Together were the two singles. And um, the only other writing credit was actually for Soft and Wet. 
it was a, a co-write credit that uh, Chris Moon received. Um, so that was the only credit. Uh, they kind of disagreed on writing credits for just as long as we're together, which they ended up sell- settling that uh, much later on in Prince's career. Um, but okay, so one more thing before we end it, I wanted to tell y'all a few things about for you. So apparently there were a couple of incarnations of the um of the songs. So there were some songs that were taken off and some songs that were put on. And so the configuration of the album has kind of changed a little bit. So I'm reading here from I'm getting this information from the princevault.com. So it says uh, Prince's handwritten notes were used um, in the Beautiful Ones book, uh, which was released in 2019. So he has some handwritten notes about uh, a different configuration of For You uh, that he had. Let me see. Okay, this configuration. uh, There was a song called Send In the Clowns, which was written by Prince. And um, as it was being attributed to being written by Prince, but it was actually written by a lady named Judy Collins. So I guess it was going to be a cover that he was going to do that he was going to put on there. But that ended up not going on there. Um, the notes also reveal four other track titles that were previously unknown. Body Freeze, Never Really Fell Out of Love With You, You Are Everything, to probably to me, and Let Me Touch You as well as two tracks that were previously known, but which did not make it onto later configurations. I spend my time loving you and love in the morning. So he had some other songs that he was supposed to put on there. And I'm assuming a lot of these songs are probably still unreleased. Um, so it says on the principal, it, it is assumed that these tracks were indeed recorded, but it has not been confirmed that the album was ever actually compiled in this form. It is certainly possible that Prince was working through ideas when writing down this track list. This track list is included below as an early configuration. So that was an early configuration of the album. A later configuration of the album contains a different sequence altogether. Okay, so it includes some more unreleased tracks like Make It Through the Storm. And here it's titled We'll Make It Through, We'll Make It Through the Storm and Amber Eyes. And some of the versions included varying time from the released album and the unreleased sequences listed below although minor discrepancies do not necessarily indicate a different version of the song was used and many it may reflect simply a difference in the silence at the beginning or end of a track so he was playing with a lot of different songs at this time is basically what um what the principal is saying uh and so yeah we talked about the two singles and we talked about how it did on the charts. Uh, what else? So a lot of these, I would like to hear some of these um, songs that did not make it on here. Uh, but here's a, a tracking of uh, the songs that um, did come out. Okay, so For You, In Love. Um, oh, no, no, this isn't it. This is something. This is was okay, so this was going to be the original um listing for you in love we'll make it through the storm crazy you just as long as we're together that's side one then side two was going to be baby soft and wet my love is forever so blue and amber eyes so i guess he um didn't do amber's eyes and we'll make it through the storm 
uh, didn't get on there. So he just did. Um, so, cause we know the last track on for you was actually I'm yours, which I think it's probably one of the strongest songs, if not the strongest song on the album. Um, so all these other songs, baby, soft and wet, my love is forever. So blue. Um, they were on there. Of course, we'll make it through the storm. I would love to hear that song and crazy. You of course was on there. So just like with, you know, anything else, um, he went about, trying to, you know, play with different songs and try to figure out how they would all sound together. Um, one more fact about uh, For You. Um, so they gave Prince a budget of $180,000. And guess how much he spent to make this album? 170000 So he literally spent 90% of his advance to make this album. So... Uh, so it will be interesting later when we find out uh, when he started on his second album, um, how he went about trying to, you know, keep the cost down, so to speak, uh, with um, his self-titled album. But, you know, it was a good first try with this album. And actually, For You is my husband's, one of my husband's favorite Prince albums. And when I first heard it, I really, really liked it. His acapella singing and the first track uh, called For You is beautiful. And the way he layered it was wonderful. And I mean, I could, I like the, um, the water drums in, um, I think it's Crazy You. And uh, the his acoustic playing in So Blue is beautiful. And of course, I'm Yours, the rock and roll track. I mean, he just, uh, his guitar playing is phenomenal. So, I mean, I really do like all of the songs on it. Uh, but it is an album that has to grow on you, I think. Because uh, when I first heard it, I was just like, oh, okay, you know, it's nice. But now, For You is an album that I go back to more frequently now. Now that I kind of understand, you know, the history behind it and what all went into making it, I definitely have a better appreciation for it. And um, I know that Prince, you know, being only 19 years old at the time, I know that, you know, it was, you know, his pride and joy and he wanted it to do so well. And so I can only imagine, you know, how disappointed he was when it didn't do as well as he thought. But luckily he was at a label that was willing to work with him and understand that, hey, you know, well, this is just his first album. You know, we're going to keep working with him and he's you know going to get better because they were already very impressed with him. So for you was just, you know, it was just a good it was a good start. It was a decent start. Uh, but he would get better and better, of course, as we know. Uh, so I'm we're almost at 40 minutes now. So I'm going to end it at that. So you guys have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And we're going to be back next week. We're going to uh, do two episodes that are going to be way shorter than this one, I promise, uh, because they're dealing with uh, Prince's identity. Uh, episode three, we're going to be talking about his sexuality. And episode four, we're going to be talking about his race. And uh, because there's a lot of... Um, Ambu-am, I want to say ambiguity. Yeah, I'm trying to use big words and can't pronounce them, y'all. Um, I'm going to just say there's a lot of uh, gray area when it regard, in regards to certain aspects of his sexuality and uh, race. Well, really, though, there really isn't, to be honest. But for some people who are not as uh, well-versed in princes, say maybe you or I, they make assumptions about Prince based on you know, some rumor they heard or how he looks or, you know, 
you know how it is. You know, when you get talked about because you're a Prince fan, oh, you like him and he gay and he, you know, isn't he this, isn't he that? And not to say that, of course, being gay is a bad thing. It's not. But, um, you know, but, you know, back then, especially in the 80s, that's kind of, you know, gay was kind of a, a, a bad connotation. You know, it isn't, of course, now, but it was back then. Uh, and you didn't definitely want to be associated with, you know, anyone who might might have been gay. But we know that Prince wasn't gay. But we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about it. And like I said, it's going to be way shorter than this episode was. But if you're still listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. And please continue to um, listen to the podcast and also invite people to the Facebook page. And let's have a dialogue also about not only this episode, but future episodes I would like, I really, 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 really want your feedback. Okay. Love you guys. Um, See you in the, not see you, but um, we're going to (laughs) talk the next episode. So stay tuned. Um, Peace and be wild. Ronica Crutchfield out.